Would you pray with me, please? Father, in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you and we are humbled by all the events of this week, Holy Week. We are humbled, Father God, we are humbled that because of us and for our benefit, you endured all that you went through, Father. We thank you for the events of this evening. Father, for the supper that you uh, share with your disciples and share with us. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would open our hearts, that we may receive your word and receive your message, Father, and be instructed in your word as to what we are to do. Be glorified and exalted, Lord Jesus. In your name we approach the Father by the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you want to use your Bibles, I'm going to be speaking primarily from the letter of Paul to the Corinthians. You can also use the inserts in your bulletins so that you can follow with me what it is that we need to learn about this day. Uh, we come uh, today to um, Monday, Thursday. Um, in case, and, and for a long time I didn't know myself, but uh, the idea of Monday comes from Old English. That means to mandate or to command. Uh, so we call it Monday, Thursday. It is the day that the Lord... Uh, commanded uh, to his disciples uh, a couple of things. Um, and we come following his word. We come because he commanded it. I mean, we don't come because we chose to. We come in obedience to celebrate Monday Thursday. There's two things in particular that the Lord commanded on this day. One is uh, he commanded the Lord's Supper. Uh, he commanded what we call Lord's Supper or Communion or the Eucharist. Charis uh, is grace and you is good. So it's the idea of God's grace, the good grace of God that is available to us in the Supper of the Lord. That's why we call it Eucharist. So he commanded uh, that, we, that we celebrate. In fact, he says, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me... And again, he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. As often as you gather to celebrate this. Uh, it's not a judgment on those churches that, that don't celebrate it as often as we do. Because certainly they do proclaim the death of Jesus and they do remember the death of Jesus, even if they don't serve communion. Uh, but we choose that whenever we gather together, as often as we gather together, we celebrate the death of Jesus through the communion table, and we proclaim to the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we choose to celebrate communion as often as we gather together, but it's not a judgment on, on anyone who... Uh, who chooses to do it once a month or twice a year or whatever, uh, it's not that they're not proclaiming or that they're not remembering, but we choose to do it 
that way. It's part of our liturgical heritage. Um, we should do both these things in our tradition as often as possible and as reasonable. We need to remember and proclaim. The second thing that Jesus commanded, which is not an option, it's a commandment, not only to celebrate the Lord's Supper, but He commanded that we serve one another. I mean, he, he said, you have seen me do this in John, when He washed the disciples' feet. And He says, you've seen me do this, go and do likewise. Go and wash each other's feet. Go and serve as you have been served. So those two things are mandated, commanded to us by the word of the Lord. To serve one another and to celebrate the supper of the Lord. I have often said to our people here that whenever God did something big, He always threw a party. And He basically said, remember and keep doing the same party every year, because the moment that you stop celebrating what I did, you forget what I did. So it was mandated that all these Jewish feasts, and in the Christian uh, cycle as well, we have a number of feasts that the day the church stops proclaiming it and stops celebrating it, the next generation will have no idea what this is all about or even remember what God did. Christmas, Easter, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Pentecost, and all of the Jewish feasts. Whenever God did something of importance... He mandated that it be repeated every year. And the communion repeated as often as you come together to proclaim and to remember. Tonight I want to focus primarily on the institution of the Lord's Supper and not on the washing of the feet or the service. Uh, the Word of the Lord uh, instructs us on what it is that we do. Um, what we do, what is it, and why do we do it? The Word of the Lord gives us the instructions as to why celebrating the Lord's Supper. It also instructs us on how to do it in a worthy, respectful, and honoring manner. And you know, we don't pay enough attention to the idea of celebrating the, the service of the Lord or celebrating the Supper of the Lord in a worthy manner. We don't think about it too often. We often come to communion without thinking whether I'm ready in heart, soul, and mind. We come because it is the tradition. We come because it is the custom. We come because it's the part of the, of the liturgy. And we come because everybody else is coming. And if I don't get up and go, they're going to say something's wrong with me. But the scriptures are very clear that we are to do this celebrate the Lord's Supper, come to the Lord's Supper, and receive it in a worthy manner, a respectful manner, and a God-honoring manner. For three reasons. One, we ought to honor the Lord our God for what He has done. We, we honor Jesus. We come in respect. We come in awe. But I think it's very important also that we recognize that when we come and when we come to the Lord's table in such level of respect and honor and repentance and acknowledging of God's forgiving power, the world that is watching us 
will pay attention. They'll pay attention on how we celebrate the services of the Lord. And how we respect the Lord and how high we esteem the services of God. They are not here, but they're watching the believers in how they react to the Lord. And number three, uh, we, we celebrate and must celebrate the, past, the, 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 the communion of the Lord and the Last Supper because the reality is that it's beneficial to us. It is so clear in, in the scriptures that it is for our sakes. In fact, it says that if we receive it worthily, there is great blessing. But it also says that if we receive it unworthily, there is great judgment. There is great judgment and there are grave consequences. According to what Paul says, there's grave consequences to receiving the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Let us remember a little bit. It was Thursday evening that Jesus gathered with his disciples. Good Friday had actually begun at 6 p.m. So they were actually celebrating the Passover meal a little early. But it was on Good Friday that they were celebrating it because it was after 6 p.m. Okay, the Jewish calendar counted the day from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. So uh, it, it was actually Good Friday had begun. Jesus was celebrating an early Passover with his disciples. On Friday afternoon, he would be the actual Passover lamb. On Friday evening, every Jewish family pretty much would be celebrating at their homes the Passover of the Lord, and Jesus would already be in a tomb. So he's celebrating Passover a day earlier, because he wasn't going to have a chance to celebrate it later. He takes bread at one point in the meal. He gives thanks and he breaks it. And gives it to them and, and says, this is my body. Broken for you. And they don't even, I don't think they understood totally what he was talking about. But at his command, they started breaking and eating. And then he takes one of the cops in a Jewish Seder, the last cop. And he says, he thanks the Lord and he says, drink this. This is my blood, which is given for you. When, when we celebrate the Passover, or when we celebrate this sacred meal that we call the Last Supper or Communion, we are doing three things. We're doing three things that I think are important. Number one, we are remembering. Literally, when we read Scripture and when we celebrate the Eucharist, I don't know about you, but I am transported back to the upper room. When I celebrate and I lift the host and I give the wine and I say to you, this is the blood of Jesus, I am transported and I am remembering and I am figuring myself sitting at that place where Jesus was and hearing these very words, 
that are repeated every time we celebrate. And we are remembering how Jesus broke bread and we're remembering how Jesus gave the cup. So one of the things we do whenever we celebrate the Eucharist is we remember. The second thing we do, according to Paul, is as often as we do it, we are proclaiming. We are proclaiming to the world, we are proclaiming to believers and unbelievers that Jesus Christ gave himself to die as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We are proclaiming that the world may come to know that there is salvation in the blood of Jesus. We are proclaiming the gospel every time we break the bread, every time we share in the cup of wine. We are proclaiming for us to hear it and for others to hear it that Jesus Christ is Lord and he humbled himself and became man and died on a cross that you and I might be free for eternity from the consequences of sin and death. We're doing those two things, but we're doing a third thing. We're literally, actually receiving Jesus. We are receiving Jesus in that bread and in that wine. We are receiving Jesus. Let me explain so that there's no confusion. We do not believe in transubstantiation. The Anglican Church does not believe in transubstantiation. The idea that the substance of the bread and the wine is transformed into flesh and blood. We don't believe in that. That's kind of a medieval doctrine that still carries on in some people's hearts and minds. But it is not the Anglican way. We do not believe in transubstantiation. The bread remains bread. Every DNA of it, every molecule of it remains bread. And every molecule of the wine remains wine. It is not transformed. We also do not hold to what some people have advanced as, as consubstantiation. Where the substance of the bread and the substance of, of the body kind of join together. Or the substance of wine and blood kind of join together. And you actually have a mix of both things. We don't hold to any form of consubstantiation either. But on the other end, we also don't hold that this is just a memorial. We don't believe this is just a memorial or just a remembrance. Those are the two poles for me. What the Anglican Church actually believes is what we call the real presence. We believe that Christ is present in the Eucharist, in the bread, and in the wine. He's truly present so that when we receive the bread and the wine, we actually are receiving Jesus Christ. Now, we don't try and advance to you what clearly is a mystery that God does that we don't have control over it. It's why we call it a sacrament. It is a work of God and not a work of man, of how it happens. We don't try to explain it. We just accept that what Paul says has to have veracity. That it is true. St. Paul says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, 
not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or have died. You cannot read those words without recognizing that Paul is pointing to the communion bread and wine in a very special way, that if you take of it, there's something about it, that if you take it unworthily, the benefits of it, which would be to strengthen you, would not be there. Which would be to heal you, would not be there. Which it is to give you life, will not be there. And those who take the body and the blood of Jesus, without discerning the true reality and the real presence of Christ, in fact, he says, that is why some of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died. There's something about the communion service that has got to be more than just a, a remembrance. There's something about it that is special, that carries blessing, that carries power, that the Lord is present in it in some mysterious, in some way that, it, that is only of God to do. So when we receive communion, we're not... Believing in transubstantiation, consubstantiation, or just a remembrance. We believe that somehow, some way, Christ is present in the bread and in the wine. And when we receive it, we're remembering, we're proclaiming, but we're also receiving the body and the blood of Jesus. And, and not just in spiritual form, I believe He's present in it. That's what the Anglican way believes. The real presence in the Eucharist. There's something in the Eucharist that benefits when taken worthily and brings judgment when taken unworthily. When someone does not discern that it is the body of Christ, that it is the blood of Christ. I want you to think about it and read these passages and ask yourself, what does Paul say to us here? Why would someone have died because they took the communion unworthily? Why would someone be ill because they took the communion unworthily? Why would someone be weakened because they took the communion unworthily? What is there about the body and the blood of Jesus that has something that blesses them that take it worthily and brings judgment and weakness and illness and even death to those who receive it unworthily? I believe Jesus is present in it. I believe I'm receiving bread, I'm receiving wine, but in some way that only God has the answer for, it is accounted to us as His body, as His blood, and we are receiving Jesus into our lives, into our bodies, into our souls, into every portion of our lives. That's the Anglican belief. I think that we need to ask ourselves, what is this worthy manner? If I am to take it in a worthy manner, what does it mean? 
clearly, the, Paul tells us that we need to discern the body on it. That's part of receiving it worthily. We need to come to it, not just to get a piece of bread and, and, and some wine. Might as well go to the supermarket and you can buy it. There's something about communion that is more than just a piece of bread or a little drink of wine. So we need to discern in what we do that this is the body of Christ. We need to come to the, to, to the communion table with understanding, with intentionality, with integrity of heart, that what we're about to do is sacred, is sacramental. Let me tell you my explanation of a sacrament. And it's very simple to me. Man does what he can do. God does what man cannot do. And wherever he meets, it's sacrament. That's a sacrament. We come before the Lord in communion, but we can only go so far. God has to do the rest. And where the two meet, that's a sacrament. We bring the the, the people to baptism. We pour the water. We say the words. But we cannot create the adoption. God creates the adoption. We come and we put a ring in in our fingers. And we get married and we say the words and we say the vows. But only God can make two one body. There's so many ways in sacramental moments when man falls short of what he, he can only do what he can do and God does what he, man cannot do. And when the two meet, that is a moment that is sacred. And that's what happens at communion. We do the words, we raise the host, we, we pour the wine, we say the words, we lay the hands, but only God can make it, the body and the blood of Jesus. And He makes it sacred, and He makes it special, and we take of it, we need to come with full acknowledgement of what we're doing, clarity of what we're doing, desire to commune with God, desire and hunger and thirst for the things of God, and to be on to be possessed, to be penetrated, to be humbled before the presence of Almighty God. That's communion, and that's what it means to accept it and receive it worthily. On the other hand, it's unworthily is to just come because everybody else is coming, without understanding, without discernment of what you're doing, just because it is traditional. We need to come with purpose and intention to receive Jesus. And acknowledge when it's put in our hands, this is my Lord. Not just a representation of my Lord. My Lord is here in some way. And I receive you, Jesus. I receive you in my heart, in my mind, in my body. I receive you. I don't fully know how. But I accept that you are present in this communion table. We need to come to accept the Lordship of Jesus. We can't just take communion without being transformed. Because when you come with full intentionality to the communion table, you come to be transformed by Him that you receive. You can't not be transformed when you fully understand what you are doing What He did and what you are doing. It is transformational to come to communion. It is transformational. And we need to come with the full acknowledgement, Oh God, change me. 
that I can be worthy of you. Let your blood wash away my sins. You see, sometimes people think that to receive a worthy or unworthy has to do with sin. Yes, it does. But the reality is that it had to do with sin. None of us could come. It's not about any little bitty sin because we all have them. But I think it's transformational when we come to the communion table with sins that are notorious and grievous and clearly rebellious against God and we know it and are not willing to be transformed. Then we are taking it unworthily. We need to examine ourselves as to whether we are honoring Christ, proclaiming Christ, receiving Christ, when we take the communion table, the communion host and wine. It needs to transform us. We need to come because if we don't come in a manner that is worthy, in a manner that is repentant, in a manner that is submitted to the Lord, we, the consequences of it could be judgment and weakness and illness and even death. We need to come prepared to be transformed, desiring to be transformed, not because we are good and deserving, because none of us is. I am not. But I am willing to be transformed by the presence of Jesus in my life. And I come to the table as a beggar, asking to be fed, that my thirst may be satiated. By the blood of Jesus Christ. We come to remember. We come to proclaim. But we also come to receive. To receive Jesus. In the bread. In the wine. But he's present. And I come to receive him. And I believe that is what. St. Paul was talking about, as he tells us, this is what happened that night, but this is what you need to do about it. So today is Monday, Thursday. The Lord instituted the Lord's Supper. He commanded it. And he also tells us how to do it, why to do it, and with what manner of heart to do it. For his glory for His praise and for our benefit. I believe there are benefits in the sacraments. I believe God is present in the communion table. And I believe He's present above me as a priest. Whenever I'm there to celebrate, I believe He's bigger than I behind me. And I believe He's the one anointing this bread, this wine, and doing what I cannot do. I believe he's present. I believe that he's blessing. Stand with me.